0: All right. Welcome to the next episode of Green Minds Think Alike. Uh, today, I'm fortunate to be joined by the Executive Director of the Southeast Sustainability Directors Network, Meg Jamison. Meg, thanks for joining me. Um, thanks so, for me. So for those of you that have listened to the Green Minds Think Alike series, you you may remember back to Maggie Ullman and I sitting at the banks uh, of the now-flooding river in Nashville Um, enjoying things there. But just talking about the transition uh, that the Southeast Sustainability Directors Network was was going through at that time. And ultimately, what that led to was Meg taking the reins as the executive director. So Meg, can you give us a little bit of fill in the gap of of what happened in those years since uh, Maggie and I were sitting by the banks of the river?
1: Yeah, I actually just had the great fortune of doing a socially distanced walk here in Asheville with Maggie Allman last week, so we just got to reconnect and kind of rehash some of this uh, recently. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Maggie obviously was an, an excellent mentor. She's a fellow sustainability director, and so she not only knew what it took to be in your shoes, Chris, as a sustainability director, but... Um, Also had just an incredible understanding of the landscape of partners and um, key stakeholders and funders that our network needed to connect with to grow. Um, So that was in Nashville in early 2018, and then she left shortly afterwards. So um, we have had the great fortune of growing our membership since then. We've grown our staff since then. We're about to even grow it just a little bit more. but we've had different leaders at the helm and we've really seen a lot of commitment from both our partners like usdn um and our funders so i know you're going to ask me about the southeast sustainable communities fund but that was one thing we kicked off right when maggie was leaving right um but we've been able to also um i think one thing that's important and i'll say this about just the network changes because if, if anybody knows networks it's maggie and i was grateful to have the chance to learn about what a healthy network, is, how to grow it and how to maintain um, a networks culture. And a lot of that, as you know, is built on trusted relationships. And a lot of times that's built off of sort of opportunities to connect with small groups of people. So it's been an um shepherd that and to keep those connections uh, close during COVID but also especially because we're growing. Um, And the network wants to grow because we want to see uh, grow in local governments. But we also know that um, our work together needs to be predicated by that sense of larger groups. Um, So it's been interesting to keep that dynamic. We've done a lot more in state networks, and I think that's an indication of the growth and the need to keep that, that culture and that dynamic small. Um, but we've also tried to have other um, opportunities to bring more sort of mentorship-style opportunities to the network that we weren't doing as much of um, in the past. So it's been fun. Um, and I was fortunate enough to come in at a time when um, a lot of a lot of the great folks are still there from even the early days, even the early uh, Sustainability Director days of like 08, 09.
0: Right. Yeah, so as you alluded to already, you know, obviously one of the huge things that the network has been able to provide is that sustainable communities grant funding. Can you can you give a little bit more on that? I know we had uh, Katrina in Volusia County. We had the fortune of, of being able to participate in, in the equity training we went through there with them. So we already got a little bit of taste of that in, in this podcast. But if you could talk a little bit more about the framework of it and how that kind of came together and the results that we're seeing.
1: Yeah yeah absolutely um so when we ask members what we want besides besides most other things you know everybody needs access to funding there's not enough funding in the space for sustainability directors cities nonprofits to do this work and we know that so we were fortunate enough back in um, late 2017 2018 to have a partnership with the candida fund and then soon afterward the kresge foundation to support the southeast sustainable communities fund Um, we funded three rounds, uh, we are paused right now, um, and we've funded 17 projects. So we're not actively running this program, um, but we were able to fund almost $5 million and for 17 projects throughout the region. So Katrina in Volusia County, excellent example, and she is doing a green infrastructure project and really focused on water and inland flooding. Um, and the majority of the other projects are focused on energy um, issues like efficiency or access to renewable energy. So the program is really dedicated toward providing access to either water. Uh, the, the projects either had to deal with either water or energy. Those were sort of the two buckets of sustainability. But I think the important, um, the important part of the process and the outcome that we wanted to see was having community partners and local governments work together. Uh, so that was a really critical component to make sure that it's not another opportunity where a local government comes into a neighborhood and says, we've got to do X, Y, or Z, and you know the project is over, and then that's, there's no real internal capacity building done in that community. And also, there, we saw, so we saw the program as a way to make sure that there were some community, communities driving the work, and also to make sure that there were some opportunities to, to advance sort of longer term partnerships and relationships on the ground. Um, so those projects were very much centered in developing a new and equitable approach to this work. Um, a lot of times we were looking at the opportunities for policies to be put into place. Um, in some cases we've even, even seen uh, the work catalyze new um, equity officer positions being started. So. It's really been exciting, um, and and it's been um, amazing, really, to see the projects uh, continue after COVID. I mean, everybody is delayed, but who wasn't these days? And, uh, you know, the projects have really pivoted in ways, you know, after the initial pause of COVID, the projects have all pivoted in ways that are pretty remarkable and, and honestly, I'd say are um, probably achieving impacts and outcomes that they never thought were possible. Mm -hmm. So, it's been amazing.
0: Yeah how do you you know obviously you mentioned that that source of funding's kind of gone away but do you think as the results start to to come in that'll be something that we can capitalize to go out for future you know funding or you know to try to keep that model or is there anything within that model we'd look to change uh in future endeavors on that
1: yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yes, the, 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 the funding that we have from Candida, um, since they're spending down, um, it was actually a good time to pause since COVID hit and everyone was kind of like, oh gosh, I don't know. Um, I think there are definitely some models that we're learning from. And to be honest, I think that we'll ha- it'll be exciting to see what comes down the pipe from the new administration. Um, we've used already, the, we've used the examples of on the ground work, say for example, in energy efficiency in low income communities to influence recommendations that some of our partners are making to the federal governments on, you know, for example, improvements to the HUD CDBG program to include efficiency and learning from those lessons on the ground has allowed, uh, you know, not the entire Southeast but several partners from our region to really say, you know, in the South we feel like this is kind of what's working and this is where we have gaps. Um, so I think it's I, I think it's a little TBD on what this program looks like as a phase two. Um, SSDN certainly is interested in in continuing it, and I think we look forward to seeing sort of what additional opportunities come down with, you know, our partners at the national level and also just federal government opportunities now that we're seeing some leadership and some funding um, on the horizon for that.
0: So you mentioned COVID, and obviously that is a major role, you know, in this podcast sort of really did take a pause. You know, normally I would host these when we would have in-person meetings and I wasn't exactly sure from a technology standpoint or just sort of the interaction with with those being interviewed, how it would go kind of from a virtual uh, perspective. So, you know, thanks for, for trying this out and, and being a guinea pig on this. But can you talk about how, what has happened in the last year in regards to COVID as well as other things, you know obviously we also had the murder of george floyd or you know in the middle of all of this um as it relates to our work on equity can you talk about what sort of pressures that's put on the network how the network has needed to you know maneuver um just sort of your thoughts about you know what effects yeah. even though we're still in the you know hopefully we're coming towards the end of it but we're, you know we're still in in this pandemic
1: yeah oh my gosh well I think if anything, it, it, the, the whole situation of last summer, whether it be the onset of the pandemic or the murder of George Floyd and so many others really set in motion, like the dynamic of needing to act quickly, right? We know as sustainability staff, like there's a sense of urgency and we need to make all of these changes right now. Um, but. The, the need to balance that with a sense of patience and a sense of understanding that if we don't put people first and if we don't put equality and equity first before we start transitioning economies and doing all of these other things that we know need to happen then we know that it, it just won't work like in some ways I think it brought to the surface of some of the environmental work that we've all been doing is so centered in white and white Traditional white supremacist cultures and systems that it's difficult to get out of that. Um, and I think it's drawn that, that this whole dynamic and this challenge is definitely more of a conversation that our network is having. Um, we had a couple of different key partners come into the space last year and provide trainings for us. Um, luckily, we already had a great relationship with folks like USDN and Baja and the Partnership for Southern Equity that, that came in to support us. But really, as a network, we have a lot of work to do. And I personally have a lot of work to do to make sure that we can lead with this consistently. Oh, man, but the pandemic, we sure miss meeting in person. And I think, you know, building those network <laughs> relationships, we're now going into our second year of not having a face-to-face meeting. And you should just come to the 2022 meeting, Chris, because you're you're just we're
0: going to be too messed. <laughs> I I Not know. <laughs> the, those those meetings are so critical and they're, you know, they're the they tend to be the highlights, you know, of of the year uh for me um to go to those meetings. You know, on top of that was the USDN meeting that was supposed to have been in Honolulu. You know, we lo- we lost those opportunities there. I mean, you know, fortunately the networks were able to pivot to a um kind of a virtual as we are this year. Kind of a, a virtual conference. Um, Could you talk about what you've seen in the field in regards to local governments with sustainability? You know, what pressures that's put on those offices? You, you know, you did say that we did see some growth, and we also have Virginia joining the network now as a shout out to Virginia uh, to joining SSDN. So You know, can you maybe expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I can elaborate
1: on that for sure. Yeah, so we started tracking, and at USDN did as well, started tracking impacts of the pandemic early. So we haven't actually surveyed our members uh, since like last August. So, um, but what we knew then is that, you know, it had hit, maybe budgets had been affected to maybe 25% of our membership. But most people expected it to be, you know, a longer-term recovery, longer-term impact. So we're starting to see a little bit more of that. But the interesting thing is, alternatively, with the change in administration and with the, you know, I don't know what everybody's motives are, but we have actually seen more members than in the past four years just come on, come out of the blue, essentially. So smaller communities, um, you know, SSDN has and part of our our membership, the major, any Metro over like 150,000 in the Southeast is gonna be already a part of our membership. So the next tier that's coming on board are really these smaller communities like Winter Park that may only have 20 to 30,000 people. So the town of Davidson, North Carolina, for example, is a really good example, or Apex, North Carolina, or Montevallo, Alabama, you know, some of these places you've probably never heard of. Mm Um, so we have seen positions be established. Um, we do know that the budgets are going to be continue, you know, going to be cut continuously. I think I've heard different, different projections on what we can expect, whether it's three to six years or longer than six years on the recovery timeline. But, um, but I think in general the, the folks that are coming to the table are are coming to the table for a number of reasons. I think there are some serious, um, there's obviously serious movement on the EV front and I know we're going to see that happen. We're going to see that happen in the next few years. And I think cities realize that that's going to, that's coming. Um, the more members make commitments to clean energy, the more they set renewable energy goals, the more they realize that they need to collaborate with others to, um, Support stronger collaboration with their utilities and with other key partners that have to make those bigger decisions that that influence everybody's ability to get there. Um, and I think that people are also, you know, I don't know if this is the main driving factor, but but I have I have felt in the past quarter, you know, a sense of just. Let's go. Like Let's do this. Like Everybody is ready to just start working as hard as they can because, again, there is that sense of urgency. But I think that people realize that we have support on all sorts of levels right now and we need to take action. And now's the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I,
0: you, you mentioned state networks. I've talked with Glenn Hadwin in, in Fort Lauderdale about kind of the growth of the Florida State Network. You know, I think SSDN has played a a large role and has done a lot for helping just those state uh, networks to grow. Can you maybe talk about you know how you help yeah. facilitate? I know you're, you know, you're usually within our our uh, meetings that we have in here in Florida. So I know that yeah. might stretch you guys thin, but um, you know, I think you've, you've oh, done. Oh no, it's great. worth
1: it. I think you Florida people are always the. Um you're always the starters of, of new things and so we always have to kind of ride the coattails on what you're you're establishing down there and I think that speaks to the Virginia question or the Virginia opportunity as well because we were just fortunate enough to bring the Virginia state network under the SSDN umbrella um, and the Virginia um, folks and the Florida folks so Vespin and, SS, and FSDN certainly um, do their own thing and you' all have the you know your own priorities that you work on but SSDN sees it as a critical piece of, of the mission to advance the, that, those larger state outcomes that are, bar, that are and will be barriers. And I think that getting our membership and um, building the capacity of the membership to um, be able to engage at a state level in a productive way, in a way that their leadership expects, in a way that allows them to contribute towards those conversations is a real priority. Um, but we know that FSDN or Vespin don't, don't y'all are volunteer driven, like there's just so much capacity that everyone has to go around. So I see that as a critical part of the mission. And it also aligns with the work that USDN is doing. So, you know, USDN just released its latest version of high impact practices, and they still have those um, focus areas that are really looking beyond regional, I mean, uh, beyond local impact, more at that state and regional um, level. influencing so um we know that we know that that's critical and i also feel like our members see that as a gap that we could help support because sometimes it's challenging you know we know we we all know the advocates in our community and we know the key partners that really push for policy change but it's not you know definitely not always okay for a city government to just go along with what so-and-so says and advocate for that so we feel like we still provide that safe space that allows everyone to really get on the same page and find opportunities they feel comfortable with,
0: but also they can still sort of drive the bubble forward. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could spend the last few minutes sort of talking about, you know, I, I do tend to ask a question in regards to what kind of advice do you give people coming up through the network? You're working with oh, sustainability yeah. directors every day and you, you get to see those that are probably, you know, there's probably a wide range of effectiveness of sustainability directors and you know, what, what sort of advice or, Anything you want to share just from, from your experience working with us uh, in, the, in the profession, um, I, you know, I think would be a benefit. Um, yeah.
1: Well, besides join SSDN or USDN.
0: <laughs> yes, that's a Sorry. no-brainer. That's money. Flag. <laughs> that, that, that multiplies. Its, its return on investment is fantastic.
1: Uh, um, I I just, but I think one thing that's what, and we, we actually have started our sustainability startup group that Vanessa's leading um, again for our newer members. Um, And I know that, that there, this probably changes, but year to year, because there's always going to be something on trend that someone needs to get up up to speed on. And there's always going to be the next thing to follow along with. But I think internally building as much um, comfort and, and making connections and building some relationships internally. They say that sustainability directors work cross departmentally and surely you do. Um, But we know that sometimes it takes a long time for culture change to kind of go go all the way out to the silos on the outside. Um, But really I think having the, the patience and just being diligent about building those relationships and connections and learning what your peers in the city are doing will help everyone being better able to advocate for this in in all of those different silos. Advocating for the sustainability work in all departments in government is kind of what the new Biden administration is saying. It's like, put climate in everything, put equity in everything. So what a sustainability director can do as they start with their job really is, I think, starting to build those relationships and starting to see how they can make this relevant for others. We still struggle in the South with, you know, if people say we're a climate denying region, and we we have some real leadership in the in the South, and I know that we are on our way to really making impact, but um internally, that's always going to be an issue. You're always going to have people that need to have that additional justification, and I think that building relationships, trust and making it relevant for for internally those departments will be really successful. So that's it's, one thought
0: no that's that's fantastic. I mean. Just drawing upon, you're right. It's very difficult to make those relationships within your um, your local government, and it takes time. And uh, and I think the network also provides some great tools just to help develop us as leaders and manage. Um, and I and then just of course, like you said, the interaction and support that we get from one another through the network is is fantastic. It you know it, it's so critical to what we do. So, I appreciate those that those words of advice. Um, another quick thing: Is there something that you you came into the role sort of thinking was the way it was, and then as you got into the role, realized that it you, you had a totally different take on whatever that might happen to be uh, within the network. Something you you thought you knew, but later found out you were wrong about something along those lines. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's a really great question. So much, I mean there was so much I didn't know. I mean when I started working with Mag in twenty fifteen, I think I'd been working in a economic development network before that. And I did have a history of working with government but only um only for a short time and I have a planning background. So I felt like I had a lot of experience that was relevant, but kind of surrounding um, the work of a sustainability director. Um, But I think what I probably didn't understand, especially in our region was, you know, how has the field grown? Like how has the actual work of sustainability directors grown beyond just what I've been calling like the gateway drug of recycling. Like, how much has changed since people were like, we need someone to handle our, our solid waste, and like, we need someone to help us support uh, just getting recycling bins on the street. And I know that's what a lot, you know, a lot of people do get started with, but just to see really the, um, the breadth and the depth and the expertise that this field has grown into really in the past six years since I've been with this job has been really amazing you're expected to know a lot. And I am just blown away every day when I work with sustainability directors at how much y'all can suck in and and take in and figure out what to do with the information because it's, it's complex and it's heady. Um, so I'm blown away. Um, so I'd say that's one thing. And then I guess the other, the other piece is like, God, the power of networks is huge. And we went through the pandemic last year and I was kind of like, wow, like we won't be able to see face to face. We were not, you know, everybody's having these feelings. But I, I almost feel like we have provided support for so many people. Like the fact that SSDN has been there as like the reliant rock that's not gone anywhere. Um, it's kind of blown me away to see the power of the network kind of sustain throughout this pandemic and provide that sense of comfort and reliability for folks. So. Um, yeah, I'm impressed by that. But otherwise, oh, there's so much there. I can't keep up with y'all. <laughs> there's
0: so much. Well, when we when we do let go, we do have a good time, and uh, I know that's that's <laughs> that's one thing that you know I think we are all looking forward to is those opportunities to come back and and fellowship and and have fun together, and and uh, you know hopefully that'll that'll occur soon. So, you know, Meg, I I can't thank you enough for what you've done in you know these what three years you said 2018 and you know it's yeah it it seems like a lot longer than that to be honest but we've because we've done so much and um you know you and Vanessa and the rest of your growing team have a lot to do with that and I hope you guys feel that appreciation from us uh you know because it's it's greatly deserved and you know you mean so so much to us so Thanks again for taking the time, um, you know, for, for joining me on this podcast. And, uh, you know, as the next few years unfold, hopefully we'll, we'll get to do this again. So thanks Absolutely. again.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you. And the network is not a network without you. So we appreciate it. All
0: right. Well, Take care. Bye,
1: Chris. See
0: ya. Thanks.